Thanks. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 9. Uh, we're going to read there beginning with verse 9 as we continue our way through this book of the Bible, 2 Corinthians, chapter 9. Uh, I wanted to mention to you that the membership, I'll be teaching the membership class uh, next Sunday afternoon, 4 to 6. If you want to join our church, that's how you do it. Or if you just want to find out more about, about our church, you're welcome to come. And you can fill out the information on a connection point and let us know you're coming. That'd be helpful. We're glad you're here online. If you're online, we want to welcome you. If you'll lean in and really listen, maybe take some notes as we go, that'd help you. And uh, I'm glad for people here in person as well. It's a real, it's a real privilege to worship. And maybe... We lose sight of that sometimes. What a privilege it is to be able to worship the Lord together. That is a great privilege, and I want to hope we'll never take it for granted. Let's read Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verse nine. If you have your Bibles, let's follow along as we talk this morning about learning generosity. The Bible says, "As it is written, He distributed freely; He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever." Now, the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Well, let's talk this morning about learning generosity. And I've got three generosity lessons I want you to learn. In fact, it's not just me. The Lord has spoken. If you've been with us as we've gone through this book of the Bible, especially this ninth chapter specifically, it has dealt with the, the need, in chapter 8, it's dealt with the need of, for generosity. And Paul's talking, of course, to the church at Corinth, and he's saying, you need, this is a lesson that's so important. I'm going to really emphasize it. We're going to spend time here. And of course, God cares about us so much. He's done that for us. He's teaching us this lesson. So let's know three generosity lessons, and you can write this down if you're on, online. You can write that down where you are, and let's follow along as we learn the lessons God wants us to learn. Lesson number one, generosity lesson number one, follow the teaching of the Lord. Follow the teaching of the Lord. Or we could say it like this. We give because the Lord teaches us to give. We give because the Lord teaches us to give. And so in verses 9 and 10, we're going to see a little more of what the Bible says here about uh, the teaching God gives us about generosity. In verse 9, Paul, who is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the church at Corinth, quotes to them from the Psalms and Psalm 112 in particular. And he says, as it is written, he distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. So this is speaking about righteous people or those who have right living. And here's what the Lord is teaching us. Righteousness or right living involves generosity. That right living, when we live the right way, that's at the heart of what righteousness is about. It involves generosity. And so it describes this righteous man who distributed freely, gave to the poor, and how that righteous, those righteous acts endure forever. So we give to obey God. We give to obey God. Some of you have heard me over these weeks. I've talked about my story and how I've given all of my life. I've tithed all my life. I've given a tenth of my income all my life 
to the local church. I think the best example of the storehouse in the Bible. And he do that at his heart because God tells us to give and we have that responsibility. I don't think I understood generosity well in those early years. I don't think I gave as um, for the right motives always or as freely or joyfully as God wanted me to give. But the Lord was teaching me to give faithfully, to do the right thing, to, to live in the right way, to obey the Lord. And there's something about that uh, to be said about just simple obedience to the Lord. I'm so thankful for so many people in our church who, have, who give faithfully, and I pray more would do that. I'd love for you to get to the right motivations, but doing, it for the, right, doing the right thing is always right. It's always good. And those of you who support us in the church, it's the things that we like. We, we give to the budget because we, the things that we love, like children's ministry and youth ministry maybe, but maybe we are not so excited about things that are necessary, like light bills and trash pickup. But all of that goes together, and we support God's work in those ways. But I, I want you to note that we ought to learn to obey God and what He wants from us, and that right living is the right way to live. Following the teaching of the Lord matters for us. And so what God tells us to do, we want to do. Maybe some of you have said, well, what about the future? I wonder what God wants. And many of you are younger here and you're saying maybe, I wonder what God wants me to do for my career or you know, maybe for, for marriage or maybe for where I would live. Or, and I'll just tell you, the answer to that is, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know God wants you to obey him and what you do know now, what you do know he wants you to do now. We can't obey the Lord in any tense except present tense. We can't change our past. We can't like, obey. Maybe we will, but we can't obey the Lord, technically speaking, in the future. We, it's a present tense thing. And so I don't know what God has for you in the future, but obey what the Lord wants from you now. And as God opens doors and shuts doors, he'll give you more guidance about what he wants you to do, but do what God wants you to do now. And the most likely scenario for whether you will obey God in the future is whether you are obeying him now. And if you're not obeying him now, you're unlikely to obey him when he opens up more of what he wants for you in the future. So right living involves generosity. That's the teaching of the Lord. But notice as well that the Lord teaches us generosity by his example. And I'm thankful God tells us what to do in his word but God shows us what to do by his life and the lives of others. Verse 10 says this, Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food, well, who is that? Is it just the farmer? Well, in this case, it's not just the farmer. Because he says that one will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So it's not talking about a harvest of turnips or wheat or something. A farmer can do that. But the harvest of righteousness, that's the Lord. The Bible is saying here, God is the one who provides the seed. Last week we talked about the principles of the seed and the sower. God's the one who provides the seed. God's the one who provides the bread that we eat. And he is the one who multiplies. And he's the one who wants to increase the harvest of your righteousness. And so the Lord teaches us generosity by his example. Sometimes we just need to see the example of others. I am thankful for God's word. I'm thankful that I can read the truth and know the truth from God's word, but sometimes I need to see it. So God shows us by his example, and he puts people in our lives who help us to see this. Maybe you've had people like this in your life who have helped you. My, my grandmother was a, uh, for me at least, and I think probably in general, was a giver and not a taker. So she gave to me. 
She thought of me. She didn't take, she wasn't, she wasn't taking from me, she was giving. So she would give food and I would take food. I mean, that's kind of how she would give to you. Oh, she loved to make pies and cobblers and jellies and I'm super hungry now. That just, uh, for some reason, I love, she, she would give and I would take. And it really wasn't that I was doing something for her. She didn't charge me. You know, here's a cobbler, 20 bucks, grandson. She didn't do that. She was a giver. And I needed to see that spirit in her. I need that in my life. Because God wants me to learn to be a giver and not just a taker. God wants you to learn to be a giver and not just a taker. And so he puts people in our lives very often that help us along this journey of life. Our own church has had so many people who have exemplified this for us. They've taught the truth. They've taught the Bible through the years, but they also have lived it. We were formed uh, in 1867, and contrary to popular opinion, I was not the founding pastor. But there were people who went before us who were faithful tithers and generous givers and who loved and thought about us long before we were here. Many people will never know their name this side of heaven long before our time. Or for some, only those who have been here a long time would remember folks who, who gave so sacrificially in their lives and gave even, even when, they, when they died. The Badgleys, two sisters who never married and came faithfully here. The Woodsides, long time in our church family. Have to have been here a long time to remember them, or the Liningers, who, and on and on we could go, and many who are still living, who faithfully gave and sacrificed and thought of you. They bought the land upon which our building rests. The buildings did not just like magically appear, but people sacrificed and gave. They provided the ministries that we appreciate today. They set the foundation. They taught us about loving others. They showed us the example of missions. We just need sometimes people in our lives who show this to us, but no one better than the Lord. He tells us the truth, but he shows it. And I know this is not directly a message on salvation. It's a message about generosity, but I'll just tell you the the Lord has given the example of Jesus giving himself for you, for me, on that cross. If for no other reason than the generosity of God on the cross that he would give his life for yours, that he would pay your debt that you owed by his blood. I want to just urge you to trust Christ as Savior, to give your life to him, to repent of your sins, and to place your faith in Christ. And on a sermon on generosity, allow God to speak to you about the generous nature of his grace and his love and trust him as Savior. Be born again. Know him as Savior and Lord. And see something of the greatness of God's generosity for you. So one of the lessons God teaches us is the lesson to follow the teaching of the Lord. We give because the Lord teaches us to give. And by the way, that is really at the heart of what we want to do as disciples. What it means to be a follower of Christ. To say, God, what you teach me from your word. What you show me by your life. I want to follow that. I want to live that. And I want to be the person you want me to be. I want to follow your teaching. Lesson number two, generosity lesson number two. Understand the purpose of blessings. Understand the purpose of blessings. 
Or we might say it like this, God's generosity with us has a purpose. God's generosity with us, and he has been generous with us, it has a purpose. So I want you to go with, to, to verse 11 and really look with me at this verse. It's a powerful verse. The Bible says, you will be enriched in every way. And let me just stop there for a brief moment. Because you're, you may say, well, I'm not enriched in every way. I mean, and really in comparison to someone else, maybe not. Because everyone has someone richer than they are outside of the richest person. I mean, every, so they could say, well, that person has, I'm not that rich comparison. And that is a common thing. And of course, the enemy loves to get us comparing other people. He loves that. But can I just point out that you live in an incredibly prosperous time and nation? Incredibly prosperous. Those of you who have traveled to some places in the world would know this. Our church goes, we've had long-term mission connections to Uganda and Siberia and Cuba. Of course, we support missionaries around the world, the IMB missionaries around the world, many of them from our church even. But we go physically in mission trips to places like that. And we see a little of not just the spiritual poverty in some places, but the just dire financial poverty of our world. And we don't think of ourselves as having abundance until we see something like that. For a good while, we were, in, we were connected to Madagascar. And the average income was just barely over $1 a day for the average. I mean, some people made more and some people made less a day. And even with very little, you may say, I don't have much, but man, that dollar, I mean, you don't think of that as like really super significant in your life, perhaps. So you will be enriched in every way. Well, why? Why has God blessed us and why has he enriched us and why do we have things and why does God put things in our life and why do we have blessings to begin with let's just here's some possible reasons is it to hoard is that the goal have you ever watched the shows about hoarders they just gather things and keep things and they just have and have and have eventually they can't get through their house because they've got so many things they never throw anything away everything just to have maybe that's the purpose of blessings to have to hoard so you just keep all the blessings god puts in your life and you just keep them they're there just for you to have and to hoard so that you can load up your life with all the blessings of life and say, look at all the things I have? Is it to impress? Is that why God has blessed you? You're enriched in every way so that you can impress other people, so that you can show them. That's what many people, it seems, think in America. I'm just going to have things. God puts things in my life so that I can impress people, so that people can see the toys and all the benefits and all the things I hold. It's like we want to hold the gold in our hands so that people see the gold that we have. It's as though we wish we could take it with us to heaven, which we can't. But even if we could, what would we do with the gold? If we showed someone the gold in heaven, would they be impressed? They'd say the pavements are covered with gold. Why would you bring pebbles? They wouldn't be impressed by that. That's not the sort of thing that lasts. But many times we almost act as though we're enriched in every way in order to impress. Or is it for self? Are we enriched in every way so that we can be self-absorbed, so that we can just spend things on ourselves and maybe the few people that are closest to us? Can I just tell you, I've tried selfishness. It doesn't work well. 
self-centeredness. I've done it plenty of times. I can just tell you, you don't have to go down that path. You won't find it so exciting and it won't be, uh, you know, like wonderful for your life. It won't give your life meaning and purpose and joy and peace. Many people have gone down that path ahead of you. Learn from them. A self-centered, selfish life does not bring the satisfaction that it's built to give. So why will you be enriched in every way? Well, let's go back to the text, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity. Do you see that? Church of Corinth, here's why. You'll be enriched in every way for all generosity. Church at O'Fallon, here's why you'll be enriched in every way for all generosity. So we could say it like this. We are blessed to bless. We have been blessed by God not in order to hoard our blessings, not in order to impress others with our blessings, not for ourselves alone, for our self-centeredness or selfishness. We are blessed in order to bless. We have been enriched in every way for all generosity. This is an important principle for you to get because many people, may I say, are living life as though the goal of life is to hoard or impress or just to be self-focused and self-centered. When God is reminding us in his word that he's enriched us for a deeper purpose, the purpose of blessing, the purpose of God's generosity is for us to bless others with that. We are blessed by God in the thousands of ways that we are blessed in order to be a blessing. God gives us the health that we have in order to bless others. God gives us the abilities we have in order to bless others. He puts financial means in our hands in order to bless others. And we're thankful for the blessings God gives us, but we're reminded that it's not just for us. Let's go to verse 11. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces. There's a production that will happen by this. Which, will produce, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. So we're blessing others through our blessings, which causes others to bless God for their blessings. It's our blessings given to us by God, who has blessed us with them, or means by which we bless others, and that causes others to bless God for the blessings he has provided for them, and they in turn bless others. Now, if you want to be countercultural. I mean, maybe what you want is just to be just like the world, man. Listen, that's, that, join the club. Lots of people want to be just like the culture, right in the center of the culture. And this, if you want to be like the world, this is the wrong sermon for you. It's the wrong one. Because our world says materialism, your value is what you have. It's narcissistic, man. It's just about me, 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 me. It's self-focused, self-centered. That's the, that's the world we live in. That, that, that won't take any effort from you. That's the easiest thing in the world. Just watch the movies, listen to the music, follow the crowd. That's the simplest thing in the world. But if you want to be countercultural, well, this is the way of the Lord. This is the way to be countercultural. It just sounds odd to say, wait, I'm not going to be defined by the things I have. That's not the source of my value, what I have. I'm not living just for myself. I'm not just taking the blessings so I can hoard them or keep them or pile them up or show other people how many blessings I have or just live for myself. Boy, it's countercultural when you say, I've been blessed to bless. If you want to be Christ-like, you know, this is the way to it. This is the way to it. The Lord who is a giving God, the Lord who loves us, the Lord who is generous with us, 
reminds us that there's a purpose to his generosity and that one of the purposes is certainly God blesses us. Certainly we ought to be thankful for the things he's done for us. Man, appreciate what God has done for you. Maybe it's been a long time since you've counted your blessings or just recognize what you have. Perhaps even it took some loss or some pain for you to recognize that. But I want you to be thankful for the blessings, but see that those blessings are given to you for a greater purpose and that we are blessed to bless and it is a powerful lesson to learn. And over and over, God in his word has been teaching us this. And one of the reasons he says this so frequently to us in his word is because it is in our best interest. God wants us to see that the purpose is not just hoarding or impressing or self-centeredness, but we're blessed to bless. Now there's a third lesson I want you to note with me this morning. Third generosity lesson. We're to encourage the faith of others. Encourage the faith of others. Now God, God wants us to learn this lesson, that our generosity is a means by which God encourages others. That our generosity is an encouragement to other people. So I want us to note some things that happen when we give generously from verses 12 through 15. Just, I'll just note six things that happen when we give generously. What happens? How is that an, what, is, what does that do? Let's note six things. Number one, one thing that happens is ministry. So verse 12 says, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but on and on it goes. The ministry of this service. I just want to stop there a minute. The word ministry is the word from which we get the word deacon. And a deacon is, in our church, is someone who cares about ministry and service. And really, that's the picture of the original deacons in the Word of God. They were formed at a time when the widows needed service, they needed help, they needed ministry, they needed oversight. And so these deacons served them and helped them so that the gospel could continue to be preached and, and the power of God um, utilized. And man, that service brought, brought unity and purpose to the church. And listen, not everybody is called to be a deacon or a pastor or a career missionary or Sunday school teacher or but every Christian is called to be involved in ministry and giving generosity in particular is called a ministry the ministry of this service it's a means by which we serve others it's a means by which we minister to them just like all the other ministries of our church we minister to people by ages. We minister through the gifts and talents God's given us. All of us minister to other people. We serve others by our giving. God has given us so that we serve others through that. Number two, a second thing that happens when we give generously is thankfulness. Verse 12 says, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints. Well, that, that's one thing, of course, that happens in giving. We meet the needs. In this particular case, the church at Corinth and the churches at Macedonia, if you remember back, are giving, and others are giving to help the church in Jerusalem. And they're meeting the need of the church in Jerusalem that's facing a great time of crisis and pain and problems. But it's more than that. The Bible says it's not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing. That is, it's more, it's more than just what you thought. It's overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God, verse 12 says overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. It's leading to thankfulness, to a thankful spirit, to appreciation. Many of us are affected, we're affected by our culture, of course, 
And one part, one way we're affected is a sense of entitlement that the world owes us something, that we should just get things from someone else because we're entitled to it for whatever reason. And there's a thousand spins for that, but that's a common view. And it works against thankfulness. So, like, I don't know, do you, like, try that with mom. Mom, um, you owe me because I, whatever, and I mow the lawn or, you know, whatever, shovel the snow. So you owe me something. Well, maybe mom will not think like she, that she owes you something for that. I mean, maybe they bless you, you know, maybe they give you money for chores. Great, wonderful. No, they don't owe you. I mean, in fact, you're not going to pay mom back for what she's done for you, right? You're not going to pay her back. You're not going to be able to, no matter how hard you work at it, no matter how hard you try. You're, just, you're not going to be able to. But if you bring a sense of entitlement and you owe me something, man, that's it. That's, you're not going to appreciate what mom has done if you feel like mom owes you something. Well, try this with God. God, you owe me something. Well, really? Can I just tell you, theologically speaking, what you don't want what God, what God justly could give to you. I mean, you take grace and mercy out of the equation. You don't want what God justly would give to you. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. If we got what we deserved, we'd be separated from the Lord who is holy for eternity because we're not. We, we don't want that. A sense of entitlement means we're not even thankful for what God has done. But when we are thankful, we're saying, look at what the Lord has done for me. We're thankful with mom. We say, man, mom, you have helped me in a thousand ways. I've not even said thank you. I didn't even know how to say thank you for the first year or two or three years of my life. And I, I didn't even think about saying thank you for, in so many ways. But I'm thankful. when Lord, I hardly recognize what you've done for me. I thought you owed me some kind of blessing or goodness. But when I see it right, I say, God, you have done for me what I could not do for myself. And there's a thankfulness that comes. And generosity, one of the results is ministry. And secondly, thankfulness. And then number three, glory to God. What happens when we give generously? Well, glory to God. Verse 13 says, because of the proof provided by this ministry, this giving, they will glorify God for your obedient confession. They glorify God. Listen, there's a powerful witness to no strings attached giving. Um, I mean, that's, that's a God thing, no strings attached giving. That's not how, like, even love for us will love someone if, you know, I love you when we attach strings. Listen, God, I'll give, you know, if, but you owe me something, then you have to do this, you have to respond like I want. But when we just, it is a God thing when we just no strings attached. That only God can do that. Only God can work through the stubbornness of our heart, the tendency towards self-centeredness or towards thinking of ourselves instead of others. That, that is a God thing. And when people see that, that is a, way, a means by which we give glory to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God. Number four. What happens when we give generously? An example is set. Verse 13 says, They will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone. So an example is set in, in our giving and our generous giving that comes no other way. 
Corinth set an example for the churches in Macedonia, and the churches in Macedonia set an example for the church in Corinth. Their giving would set examples for other churches. This is the beginning of the church. You may remember the church of Jerusalem. This is where it starts, and then it spreads to other places, and, and then places like Antioch and Corinth and Philippi and Berea. And, and man, the example they set would affect all the churches that would come after them, and there was a power to that example. You can I watch a little bit of a show on the Mannings. Uh, you may know Peyton and Eli Manning, who won Super Bowls as quarterbacks. They have an uh, older brother... Uh, who um, was, had a spinal stenosis, had to go through surgery in his first year of college, couldn't play football anymore, but you've seen perhaps on some television shows and stuff. His, the father, his name is Cooper, his father Mar Archie, the father Archie was NFL quarterback for years. And so you say, well, of course, those guys followed football because dad was a football player. And I was, as I watched that, I just, I recognized that the dad was smart enough, just thoughtful enough that he didn't pressure his kids into sports and I don't know sports can be a great teaching tool but there's something about the pressure that we can put on kids that's an unhealthy thing and he just didn't do that but they they wanted to be like dad they said that over and over they wanted to they loved the things that they saw in their dad you, you know you can't almost can't help having examples set for you so what your parents liked or what your parents did there's this little part in your life that little tape that plays and says what would they do for good or for bad so what they did, that's what I do. What they, how they act, that's what, how I act. For good or for bad. The good things and the bad things. God is saying here, man, you, you can be an example for good. Your giving sets an example for others. When people see you thinking about others and not yourself, there's a power to that. There's an attraction to that. And people need to see that in our lives. Number five, what happens when we give generously? Fellowship happens. Verse 14 says... And as they pray on your behalf, man, these people are going to pray for you and with you. They will have deep affection for you. Deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God. That's fellowship. God made us for connections. Whether you're, the, whether you're an extrovert or the most introverted of all, it does, anywhere in between. God made us for connections. We need each other. We need each other. This generation is reminding us as never before of how true this is. God made us for connections. We need each other. We, can have, we need this deep affection, this deep... These are churches that are divided by like geography and background and language and culture, and yet they're united in Christ. And we need each other. We're divided in a lot of ways. We're different personalities and different backgrounds. But man, the power of the gospel unites us together. The Lord himself unites us. I, I love to see this happen in life groups. Now listen, edit their heart, of course. Life groups are Bible studies. Our small, we call our small groups life groups. and They're Bible studies. They're places where you learn God's word. And we don't want to ever lose sight of teaching the Bible. But I love that we can see in the teaching of God's word, there's a, a, a fellowship and a close connection and a deep affection, to use the language of the Bible, that can happen where we pray with each other and grieve with each other and rejoice with each other and help each other. And God made us with a need for connection. He made us for fellowship. Number six, what happens when we give generously? We have an understanding of grace. Verse 14 says, they'll have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. 
Thanks be to God, verse 15 says, for his indescribable gift. So when it talks about grace here, it's like, I don't think you get this. When it, it doesn't just say grace, it's surpassing grace. So whatever you thought, like God's love is you know, fine, it's surpassing that. It's bigger. Or like, okay, God gave a gift. No, 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 you're not getting it. It's, it's an indescribable gift. We try to describe it. It's just too great. We try to explain it. It's just too big. And when we give generously, we, we begin to understand God's grace, His nature. We begin to understand that His grace is surpassing grace. It's not like a little bit of grace. It's bigger than that. Not even the word amazing grace is big enough to describe how deep God's love is. And this gift that God gives freely to us, it's so big we can't fully describe it. But when we give, we begin to understand more of what grace is about. And we begin to see that it's surpassing. And that it's bigger than we can describe. And that our generosity is a means by which we encourage others because we were encouraged by it. And that God's generosity with us had a purpose. We were blessed to bless. And that we give because the Lord himself has taught us to give by his word and by his example. And so I want to ask you today to learn this lesson. Listen, if we're not going to learn this lesson that he's taught us over and over in these last two chapters, man. But when we learn the lesson, God, you know, God does this. It's not that God in heaven is like, he's not short of money or he's not like saying, oh, I need it. He, he does this for us. The lessons are for us because it's in our best interest to learn these lessons because it'll benefit the rest of our lives because it is the antidote to how the culture looks at possessions because it is the power of God in us to encourage a world that so desperately needs that encouragement because God changes us when we act like him. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, why not today? Repent of your sin and trust Him as Savior. The giving God who loved you so much. Christ died on that cross to pay the penalty for sin. And I'm praying you'll give your life to Christ. I'm pleading with you to turn from self and sin and give your life to Christ. Christian, maybe the Lord's been speaking to you about generosity. Undoubtedly, one of the reasons He's had us go through this book of the Bible is so we'll learn these lessons and this is a lesson that he's taught to us over and over. Would you say, God, I want to learn, I want to, I want to view the things you put in my life as you view them. I want to see it instead of seeing it as, I, as the culture sees it, as the culture tells me I'm supposed to see it, or as I want to see it just out of my own self-centeredness, I want to see it as you see it. I want to give because you tell me to give. I want to give because it's a means by which I respond to the blessings you've already given to me. I want to give because it encourages others and makes a difference in me. God, help me to see it like you see it. God will bless and honor that. And he'll teach you through it. And he'll use your testimony in the lives of others. God in heaven blessed you to bless. And so would you say, God, I want to be a blessing. Not just have them. As grateful as I am, I want to be a blessing. And open my eyes to generosity in my spirit, my heart, my soul, my life. Father, thank you for your word. There's a challenge and a power and a strength to it that we so need, and I thank you for it. And I pray you'll use this in our lives to draw us to yourself and to make us more like Christ and to give because you give and to love 
because you love and to serve because you have served us. And Father, we thank you for the generous nature you have with us. Help us to have that spirit with others. And we thank you, Lord, that we can be doers of the word and not hearers only. So use this in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.